0: Welcome back, everybody. My guest is Ken Berry, former all-star center fielder, Major League Baseball, 26-year coach and uh, mentor in the minor leagues. You know, Kenny, we were talking about your playing days. Um, some of the things that I'd be interested in knowing was, you know, what, what did you take out of being a player? and, and observing, you know, what happened with coaches, uh, you know, how they treated you, what motivated you, what made you want to play for a coach? Um, what are some of those things that you took as being a player and and then incorporated those into your method of coaching?
1: Well, as I mentioned before, I I think I tried to take the positive approach Chuck Tanner, uh, implement Del Crandall's delayed steel took all of Eddie Stanky's uh things that he taught me about the game that that would make a difference in um you know not giving up outs and then uh the hard part you know I, I know where you're heading there as far as uh, the manager but when you're in the minor leagues you have a manager and that's it when we played he had he had they didn't have any coaches. It's just, just a manager, period. Mm-hmm. So he was responsible for running the game, doing all the practices, just and keeping track of all the guys. So he had his hands full. So it wasn't like, you know, you could really draw from him a lot because he's just trying to, to get by sometimes. And practically, you had, it's kind of like you. He had to drive the bus, right? <laughs> you know, you, you know, so it was, uh, it was kind of hectic. Now when it got to AAA, we had a guy named Ted Beard that was an ex outfielder and a uh, center fielder and he played in Indianapolis and then he decided to make his home there. He didn't make it to the big leagues, but he was a really good player and uh, he was our our coach. But Ted was kind of one of those guys that you didn't you never knew he was there. He was like like your uh uh credenza behind you that he never said anything, you know. So it was kind of quiet. He would just pat you on the back if you did something good, and that was about it. So I really didn't take anything. And and when you got to the big leagues, we were we were very limited as far as the input that we got from coaches. I when I signed to play with the White Sox, I went to my first spring training, I was the third baseman. So, I'm down at third base. The fields down there were very sandy. And I mean, you know, this is not an excuse because I I was a decent third baseman. Or they wouldn't assign me. So, Les Moss, who managed me uh in the minor leagues 2 years and in part of a year in the big leagues, uh he always called me hot dog. And he got eh, eh, hot dog, hey, eh, catch this one and he put a little spin on it, put a little extra something one way or the other. And then I'm down there in third base and I'm moving around. Well, as you move around uh, the sandy footing, you got a lot of divots. I mean, they're big, four or five inches deep in some cases. So now I'm taking balls off my shins, off my elbows and my chest. And they, they said, hey, this is about two weeks, 10 days into spring training. This is when you were down there for about six weeks. They said, go see that guy out there in center field. So I looked out there, and so I said, okay. So I went out there, and there were a few outfielders out there with this older guy who had turned out to be actually 83. Wow. He had had one leg about four or five. You know how you see people that have a – a hip problem or a back problem. Yeah. He had a, he had one leg about four or five inches shorter than the other one. And if he was a girl, you would have named him Eileen. <laughs> you got that one, Joe? <laughs>
0: I'll use that in so, my next book. <laughs> yeah, there
1: you go. <laughs> so so I get out there and I heard the story about him, which was enough to get me fired up my entire career wanting to do it. I never did it but they said that he was the only outfielder and the center fielder to ever catch a foul ball. So I, I kind of spun that around in my brain. I'm going, man, this guy must've really been fast. Or he said, yeah, my left fielder wasn't, couldn't catch a cold. He said, and I had a hit a dead pull hitter at the plate. He said, so I was playing way over almost to left field. And so the ball went up. I ran over in in the foul territory and caught it. (laughs) Okay. So that's, that explained, you know, how he did it. So now the instructor, you, you mentioned to me earlier, you wanted to, to hear about maybe somehow how the instructors worked with you. Well, his instructions were this now he's 83, but this is the, this is the funniest part. How do you, how do you visualize a coach? that's on the field working with you. Is he going to be in a uniform? Why, sure. I was never not in a uniform when I was on the field. Mm -hmm. This guy had a coat and a tie. He had a suit on. (laughs) (laughs) He's out there leaning to the right. (laughs) And the guy, the fungo hitter, the guy throws the ball up and hits the ball is called a fungo hitter. He's hitting the ball, and, and Moscow, Johnny, is saying, all right, Bear. Now, this is the old term. Rowdy Dow, the old shaker. Go get it, Bear. Go get it. And so I go get it. He said, I don't want you to go, Bear. I don't want you. And that was the instruction that I got. I never got any instruction. Oh, I, was my. A, I was the wide receiver who loved to catch passes and catching baseballs piece of cake I loved
0: it that's kind of interesting that uh that you make that type of an analogy because you watch Patrick Mahomes now who's, uh, you know, our yeah. star quarterback here with the Chiefs. And
1: I know who he is. Yeah, he he uh, throws sidearm, he throws underhand, throws he, overhand three-quarters. I got him.
0: Yeah, because he, he was a great shortstop, you know. Yeah, exactly. And, and he learned to throw that way. So throwing a football is no big deal throwing it the same way. You know, it's, it's yeah. interesting that you you talk about, you know, the skill sets that, that maybe you had in football that lend themselves well to yeah. an outfielder's position. So, yeah. well, that's uh, – now, who was your coach then? That first that year, uh, the the manager, that oh. first year when they when they moved you from third base into the outfield,
1: uh, Dick Kinnaman. He was uh, he was uh, an old catcher, a smoker. You know, most of them were yeah,
0: old
1: mm-hmm. smoker, and uh, he was an ex marine. And you talk about a guy you did not want him making mad at you. You know, I, mean, I never had any problem with any of my managers getting mad at me. I don't think except Lopez one time when I was trying to throw people out, I was missing the cutoff man. And as I mentioned earlier, we made $7500. <laughs> so by by the time I paid my rent, which is about 500 a month, and that's 2500 right there, and then I they took out taxes. That knocked off another, what, 1500 or so? I'm down to just not very much money. So he calls me in the office. He says, uh, Next time you miss a cutoff, man, he said, just bring a $100 check in or a $100 bill. I don't care which one and put it on my desk here. Well, I came in and my foot slipped. It was wet. And, you know, I'm making an excuse, but uh, I remember well. I launched one that must have missed a cutout guy by 40 feet. <laughs> and, I, and right away, my, my billfold jumped off, the, off the, <laughs> <laughs> right out of my locker in the, in the locker room. And so I, I went in the next day and paid him. And the next time I came up and I had a play at home plate, I threw it and almost hit our second baseman in the head standing on second base. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I didn't throw it too high. <laughs> oh that's great that's great what how would you classify yourself as a as a manager or as a coach when you finally did move into that role um you know were well, you some was, were you somebody you think people really enjoyed plan plan oh
1: yeah i think i think so because uh we you know i never ever uh took a situation and said well we it's you know the score's tied in the eighth inning and the guy's on first. We're gonna bunt him over, you know. That was never the way I played. We we were liable to do anything, you know. I I had a a situation in Appleton, Wisconsin when I managed for the Royals with their Class A team. They had a big uh, guy from probably from Dominican or wherever on the mound, and he didn't ever check the runner at third base and then he would wind up and mm-hmm. so our center fielder was kenny jackson he had uh 44 doubles and broke a record i think for either the team or the league uh doubles that year and our dugouts in appleton were built more for guys from uh japan short guys <laughs> <laughs> not guys like us over here and so uh I walked over to my guy at third base. I said, hey, can you steal home here? I said, you ready? He said, yeah, I guess. I said, well, get a bigger lead. And when the guy looks in for the sign, start walking. And when he starts into his windup, take off and you should be able to steal home. And this is a winning run late in the game. And so he does and he did. And the guy threw the ball off the screen (laughs) <laughs> behind the, behind the catcher, and Kenny Jackson jumped up. He was so excited. We won the game. He jumped up and knocked himself out on the dugout top. <laughs> <laughs> See, these are just little funny stories that, that uh, you can't forget about them. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you know, it, that really does happen when you're a coach. You know, in, in, in the book, I do relate a story about uh, just a, a terrific young kid we had from Colorado that was – practicing with us he was uh he had a red shirt his freshman year he wasn't academically uh, eligible but i don't know if you remember the story or not but we were playing he was he was he was uh coming down court in practice yeah in a fast break type situation, somebody threw his the ball. His finger, and hit, yeah, hit his, his finger. finger. His finger just my went. My finger, my finger. He kept <laughs> screaming. You know, he's screaming, "My finger, my finger!" And so I go out to try and help him, and he jumps onto my chest. You know, and yeah. bite bites my shoulder. Yeah, I am you know, going, "Holy crap, what's this?" You know, my shoulder, my I, shoulder. he <laughs> <just kept> screaming, <laughs> "My shoulder!" And he and we look like dancing partners out there. He's screaming, <laughs> "My finger, my finger!" And he's biting yeah. me, and I'm going, "My shoulder, my shoulder." You yeah, know, you never do forget that those types of things and uh, he really liked you so that he went toward you he immediately (laughs) gravitated to the coach (laughs) i guess i guess um did you have favorite players that you that you coached had an opportunity to do that and and was there a difference from the the guys that you coached that actually did make it to the majors versus guys that didn't well
1: the probably the the
0: two biggest things
1: that that are contributing factors with the guys that made it and the guys that didn't, a lot of it was uh, the uh, ability to uh, adjust to the game and make adjustments. And when they saw a pitcher do something, they picked up on it right away and they knew what he was going to do. So they were ahead of him rather than going up there and taking two at bats and going, Oh yeah, I remember this guy. We faced him last week, Mm -hmm. you know, and the guy didn't even remember it at the time. Uh, but my, probably my favorite story that I tell is I'm, uh, I've been a roving instructor, a hitting instructor, a a coach. And, uh, I'm, I've given, I'm given the coaching, the managing job, uh, for the White Sox in Birmingham, Alabama, double a. So, There are a lot of prospects in the White Sox organization, and I was fortunate uh, to get a few of them. Uh, Robin Ventura was my third baseman. Mm -hmm. Richie Amaral, who played with uh, the White Sox a little bit and played with Seattle, was my second baseman. And Craig Graybeck, who was uh, my shortstop. Now, the White Sox wanted Graybeck and Amaral to trade off so they could see if – both of them could go to the big leagues and play in the big leagues and play short and second in case they needed a flip-flop or they had a, a utility situation. That's what they would, were trying to find out. Mm-hmm. So Graybeck was an interesting guy because the guy could hit the golf ball 300 yards, and he could hit a few home runs. He was five foot six. 145 pounds. Now, you know, you look at him, you go, no, this guy, he can't be all that great. He had the best arm on the team. He was very intelligent. He had great instincts. And he was one of our best situational hitters. So I'm looking for a fourth-place hitter. Come out of spring training, I wasn't sold on my fourth-place hitter. I had a big... Donkey first baseman and a big left hand hit and catcher, but they weren't going to be what I wanted. Robin was a natural third place hitter because he made great contact and you know could put the ball in play, so I could hit and run on a three and one count. I could start the runners on a three and two count. I didn't worry about him striking out. I had uh, Amerall and C. L. Pennygar, who was my center fielder. They could both run, so they were hitting one and two. And so I said, heck with it. I'm going to put Gray back and hit him fourth. Okay. Five sticks and 145 pounds.
0: (laughs) They probably thought you were nuts.
1: (laughs) I don't know if anybody thought I was nuts, but when the year was over, he had 87 RBIs. He was our MVP. That's true. Now he comes in in the middle of August. I'm in the, I'm not in the office and he comes in. The guys are just going out on the field he said, "Skip." He said, "If I lose another pound, I'm going under 140." I said, "Gravy, go out there in the clubhouse and sit down and watch TV or do whatever you want to do every day until this season's over, and just stay in there until it's time to go out and stretch and get ready for the game." So it's okay. So he didn't go under 140. That was one of my better <laughs> managerial decisions. But now. He and Robin both go to the big leagues. And during our year there, Robin got hurt. Graybeck, playing short and second with Amaral, goes to third and plays 19 games at third base and is better than Ventura. Wow. And then the next year, Frank Thomas comes in. And, of course, I think I'll ask you this question. Do you know what? frank thomas's nickname was beast the, i don't know the big hurt <laughs> okay he <was> yeah. big. <laughs> so now graybeck's nickname was the little hurt. <laughs> <laughs> that was and that was kind of cool because they they both went to the big leagues i think graybeck stayed for 15 years wow you know and here's this little bitty guy nobody wow. expected him probably to make it and he stayed around for 15 years so uh you know they're just little things like that where you see a guy that i don't care how how big he is or you know how little he is i want to see can he play the game does he and instincts i think instincts and you you would agree with this i'm sure instincts in any sport will offset a lot of, okay, you're not quite fast enough, you're not quite this, you're not quite that. If you've got good instincts, you can help a team win.
0: Yeah, it kind of sounds like uh, one of the concepts that I have in the book that I talk about that kind of frustrated me when I was coaching was players make plays, you you know, and that happens in all sports. I know my wife would but I just come home and I say, we need some players can make plays. And she, she just didn't understand that. I could yeah, not right. explain it to yeah. her and, yeah. and probably cause I'm just not good at communicating at, at times, especially with her that, uh, you know, there are people that just, when you have to have something done, they do it and it doesn't matter yeah. what it is, they just do it. And, and, yeah. and I was frustrated in that I, I didn't do a jo- good job of either coaching that or recruiting it because we didn't have many guys and it had nothing to do with the the players themselves. They were great kids. They played hard. They gave you everything they had. But when it came down to a situation where you needed a steal or you needed a rebound or whatever, we didn't have very many of those guys that would step up and actually make that play.
1: Execute, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so, um, And it sounds like you had some of those – That you were you know in a position well
1: you had you know this and this is another thing i was drawing a comparison because when we talked you said that you know we were you were interested in a few things and one of the things that struck me is you played two games a week maybe three every now and then Mm -hmm. we played 162 games in 150 days so we got a game we played usually every day and sometimes we played doubleheaders on Sunday after a, a night game on Saturday. Yeah. And so, you know, that was back before they got all this travel stuff and taking care of the guys and, you know, the, the, you need to give them a rest. And, to, you know, back then, if Eddie Stank, if you went and said, Skip, I need a day off, he would have just laughed and fined you $100 and said it'll be 200 if you don't get out of my office. You know, that sort of thing. You know, it just, you didn't, you didn't ask for a day off. When you were, when you were the starting center fielder, you were the starting center fielder. And if you got hurt bad enough, you know, maybe there's a bone sticking out or something, but you weren't coming out of the lineup.
0: Yeah. You know, Kenny, one thing that I was interested in knowing was I know in, in my book, I talk about developing the whole person. Uh, I really felt like that was, something that I was responsible for being the head coach was not only bring them in and, and teach them the skills and, and whatever to help them be better basketball players. But, you know, I really feel like it's the coach's position to make them better people. And uh, d- did you have opportunities to do that? Or, or was that something that just wasn't part of the script in, in uh in your coaching experience?
1: Well, I was a very young Christian at the time because when I I uh, went through a divorce when I was uh, just getting out of baseball, five years later, I got into baseball as a coach, and I obviously was a, a rookie coach. And uh, I was a rookie at, at uh, you know, becoming a Christian. I was a rookie at, you know, how do I handle it? And, uh, I think that probably the main thing I tried to do was I tried to be there. If anybody needed anything, you know, and they ran into some problems, I was just trying to help as much as I could, but I tried to lead, uh, you know, by example, I, I tried not to swear, you know, I, I didn't have that much of a problem, but every now and then, you know, i Mm-hmm. It, it, I'd lose yeah. it like yeah. any we do. any person does. We do, and but I didn't. I didn't do that. I was able not to to do that until we had one little situation in uh, up in the uh, uh, oh darn it, not Burn. It was Oakland, anyway, just north of Birmingham. They were our arch rivals, and if you remember Don Mincher, mm-hmm. He played first base for the uh, Twins, and he was in the big leagues for 10 or 12 years. He was part owner of their team up there, Mm -hmm. and he was also the guy that did the play-by-play on the radio. So we go up there to play. The first night, my uh, right fielder hits a three-run home run that clearly went out of the park fair. It was hooking, but it was way fair when it left. And then, of course, it was probably 400 foot, and it was 300 down the line. So the umpire's running down with both arms, stuck out, waiting to make a decision. Well, he made the wrong one. And then we ended up having a situation where the guy hits a ground ball too short, throws it to the second baseman who can't get it out of his glove. My runner slides in to break up a double play. He breaks it up. And when he's done sliding, he is actually lying on second base. So he didn't go out of the baseline. The umpire runs over and he goes, you're out and out, out at uh, first base because he's out at second because he, he uh, interfered or whatever the rule is. Okay, so now I, I got it again. And then the next night, we're ahead three to one in the, about the third or fourth inning and I've got my ace pitching, and I had Alex Fernandez was one of my pitchers who came down there just – he came right out of Miami, I think, University of Miami, comes up. My, my uh, boss told me, he said, hey, you're going to pitch Alex. He's going to get 80 pitches, and then he's out of the game because he's going to the big leagues in about two weeks. I said, okay. So he did. Well, now I got my ace. Whoever would – might it not have been Alex, but somebody that was pretty good. And we got the lead and the umpire comes down to me, you know, and you, you've probably seen this and witnessed this when you're coaching, you got some little cocky, uh, official, you know, and it comes up <laughs> there's to a you, lot Joe, of them. <laughs> Hey Joe, Hey Joe, I'm, there's not going to be any hand checking Joe. We're not going to allow for that. You know? So he's, he's telling you ahead of time that you're going to have to watch out because we're not going to let anything go by. Right. Okay. Right. So he comes strutting down toward me, and he says, it's going to rain. There's a big front coming. It's coming fast, and I'm going to put the tarp on. And I'm going, we're ahead. That's a good <laughs> deal. So I walked Turner. I said, okay. Turner walked back, got down to third base. I used to like to lean over a little bit and put my hands on my knees, and I'm down there, you know, and I look up, and I see raindrops. Not heavy, but starting. Yeah. And I look down at him. He looks down at me, takes his mask and snaps it on his face and said, play ball. <laughs> and it started raining, it rained us out.
0: No. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it rained us out. And so the next night we got to play a doubleheader. So Uh-oh. I've gotten I've gotten and that and that play at second base cost us a run. Plus, the ball was thrown away at first, and the guy would have been on second, our other guy would have been anyway. So uh <laughs> I lost it. And mm-hmm. I'm sorry that I won't repeat what I said, but I lost it. And I I he got ready to throw me out. And he took his arm and he got his arm halfway up and I grabbed his arm and I said, <laughs> I'm not done yet. You can <laughs> throw me but I'm not done yet. I oh, that's was, great. I was so frustrated. <laughs> so oh okay, so finally he, he ran me out. The next day Jimmy Bragan who's the president of the league and he got one of the he played a lot of baseball with the Braves and he uh he calls me up can Jimmy Bragan here he's from down south yeah and I said Jimmy I said yeah I expected I was gonna get a call from you. <laughs> he said yeah you know you can't touch them boys in blue <laughs> and I said I know that he said but I'll tell you what Minch up there been telling me you've been getting the wrong end of the deal for three days. I said, yeah, you're right. Minch is being fair. And he owns the other team. (laughs) And so he said, well, what do you think? And I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, I got got to find you and uh, suspend you. I said, one day. He said, that's good with me.
0: Oh, wow. that's so that
1: terrific. was that was how it worked out but that's that's the only time I really lost it you know i I got kicked a couple times, but only you know because I should have
0: yeah, yeah, well, listen, I think we're going to take another short break um when we come back uh one of the questions i want want you to answer or talk about is um, when you went back into coaching uh you were remarried i i believe yes sir and so I want to talk about. The wife's perspective, right? Coaching, um, because how'd she deal with it? Yeah, yeah, okay, right. So we'll we'll talk about that when we come back.
1: All right.